So today we come to Romans chapter 7. Uh, this is an interesting chapter that has puzzled and still puzzles many interpreters, uh, honestly, including me. <laughs> there are certainly things worth considering here, though, so let's dive in. Uh, in verse 6, uh, Paul draws a stark contrast between life under the old covenant of the law and now under the new covenant of the Spirit. There he states, quote, But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. Now, it would be very easy to misunderstand what Paul is saying here, and we'll explore uh, a little more uh, in the next thing we, we notice about this chapter, but suffice it here to say that Paul is not saying that the law no longer has anything to do with us whatsoever. Uh, it would be easy to read the phrase, now we are released from the law, and take it to mean that we are completely released from it in every respect. But to read it that way would be to misunderstand what Paul is saying and, and would conflict with what he says in the very next verse. What does Paul mean when he says, now we are released from the law in verse 6? He means, now that we are in Christ, we have put our faith and trust in him. We are now released from the law being the standard of our judgment before God. Apart from Christ, you better believe the moral law of God not only has relevance to us, but it will be the standard by which you will be judged before God. But now that Jesus Christ has already lived up to the law perfectly and has been perfectly obedient to it at every point, he is now the standard by which we will be judged. The moral law of God is still the standard of judgment, but for all who are in Christ by repentance and faith, he has already met that standard. But the second thing here, here is, uh, another reason why we believe that the law still has relevance to us is because in verse 7, the very next verse, Paul says it does. Look again what he says in verse 7. What shall we say? What then shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. As Christians, we can identify three different uses of the moral law of the Old Testament. We've mentioned this before. For one, the law restrains sin in the world. How so? Well, God has um, written his moral law down on our hearts, and we call it a conscience. And that restrains many of the evil things we would do. Can you imagine how much more sinful and evil this world would be if we had no conscience to convict us when we did wrong? So in this way, he, he, his law restrains sin and evil in the world. But there's a second use of the law, one which Paul is referring to in verse 7, and that is the law makes us very much aware of our sin and need for a Savior. Paul says the law is telling him not to covet, made him aware that his heart is sinfully coveting all the time, it seems like, and thus made him aware of his sinfulness and need of a Savior. The third use of the law comes into play after we have trusted in Christ as our Savior and Lord. As the law continues to guide us in how we should live and conduct our lives, morally speaking. The moral standards of the Lord have never changed and never will change, and we are still to abide by them. But the second use of the law that I just mentioned is on full display in verse 7. Even after we are Christians, 
The law continues to make us daily aware of our sin and drives us again and again and again, day after day, back to Jesus. He alone is the one who can save us from the consequences of our failure to keep the law. But the law keeps us constantly aware of our need to be saved from the consequences and failure to keep it. Thirdly and finally from Romans 7, the question of all questions, is this Paul the Christian talking or is this Paul reflecting on his life before Christ? Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that has puzzled interpreters of this chapter, how to understand verses 7 through 25. Specifically, is this Paul the Christian talking about his present experience and struggle with sin, or is Paul reflecting on his time before Christ as a Pharisee? The arguments go this way. Those who believe this is Paul, before being a Christian, believe this because they see Paul saying things like verse 14, I am of the flesh, sold under sin. How could a Christian say that, they ask? On the other hand, those who believe this is Paul the Christian, describing his present experience as a Christian and struggle with sin, point out the fact that over and over again in this chapter, Paul refers to his deep desire to do what is good and honoring to God. To keep it brief, and they well, they would say, "Well, how can an un, how, what unbeliever out there has a deep desire to do what is pleasing to God?" Uh, to keep it brief, I, I tend to side with the latter. I I, I guess uh, today I believe uh, this is Paul as a Christian speaking about his ongoing battle against sin in his life. Tomorrow, I I, I suppose I I might, I might uh, reconsider and think it's the other way around. I think him as a believer is consonant with the previous chapter as he switched his emphasis from justification to sanctification. It's a daily difficult process. We've been set free from the penalty of sin already, but we will never be fully set free from the power of sin until we see Jesus face to face. One more quick note, though. Because I said, I don't know if I hopefully didn't throw you off when I say today I see it this way, but tomorrow I may see this passage on the other side. That shouldn't be alarming because even if you do come down on the side of believing this is a description of Paul before Christ and therefore you don't believe that this is a description of his struggles against sin, um, remember that Paul did describe these struggles elsewhere in his writings because some people find great comfort in this chapter because they say, look, this shows that Paul struggled with sin daily, just like I struggle with sin daily. And, and if somebody says, well, this was not Paul the Christian. This is Paul before Christ. They go, well, great. I struggle with sin in ways that Paul never did. What's wrong with me? Even if you say this was Paul before Christ, Paul does describe his struggle with sin elsewhere in his writings. Most notably, Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. That's Paul, even in Galatians 5, saying the struggle is real. Even as Christians, even if you believe he's not describing that struggle in Romans 7, he most certainly describes it in Galatians 5. I happen to believe that he's describing it, though, in both places. And those are just a few thoughts from Romans chapter 7.